I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today I have Siobhan Ramos. She is a mom, artist, singer, songwriter, and producer, aka Sparrow. She is an advocate against sex trafficking who frequently shares her powerful testimony to help others break free from bondage and move forward. Siobhan, I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Hi, love. How are you? So happy to be here on this platform. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. You know, you and I met way back in 2012, and I'm excited that we have connected again in this way. We were attending the same church, and I remember when we first met, and I heard part of your story. I was truly overwhelmed when I went home and very emotional, you know, to think that you had been exposed to so much trauma at such a very young age and and how you were wanting to get help for yourself so that you could provide a better life for your family. So I'm excited that we got connected. And obviously your story has taken a, a completely different turn from when I first met you to where you are right now. And so you and I were talking and I remember saying that, you know, when you're growing up, you never say, hey, I want to grow up to be in a gang or I want to grow up to be a prostitute or to be trafficked, right? I mean, nobody says that. Sometimes circumstances kind of lead people down these really difficult paths. And so typically, you know, my guests will share a little bit about their story. But I feel with Siobhan, because she has such a long uh, story and she's been through so much, I really want to share a little bit of the context of her upbringing so that you can kind of understand a little bit more about her story. So Siobhan, you know, you told me that obviously you grew up in Chicago Your mom and dad were part of the Latin King and Queen organization back in the 80s and maybe early 90s. Your dad was into drugs and your mom was just, you know, hanging out in the streets. And at that young age, obviously, you know, neither one of them were equipped to take care of you or your siblings. So thankfully, your grandmother stepped in to take care of you guys. At four years old, your mom had kidnapped you from your grandmother's house. Unfortunately, DCFS stepped in and put you guys in foster care, where you shared that you were raped and molested by your foster father for many years. At around nine years old, you went back to live with your grandmother. And at family parties, which we all know, you know, Boricuas, we have the family parties back in the day, you started drinking, you know, from some of the liquor that was around. And that throughout your life became a real issue that you'll share later. In your early teens, you became part of the gang because that essentially was your family and your family was always part of that gang life. You said that you were drawn to that life because it created a sense of family, which is sometimes why people even join gangs, right? Yes. When you feel left out and you don't have a place where you fit in, you know, the streets welcome me. So that was home. And then something you shared that really stuck with me was... You said some people don't know life outside of the neighborhood until someone shows you that God wants to use you in the world. And I love that. That that really, really stuck with me. And so, you know, my first question is for you, the gang life was normal, correct? Yes. uh, Gang life was normal. It was common in my community. So naturally, I gravitated towards what I seen around me, my environment, my community. And then, you know, what types of things were you involved in as part of the gang? You know, sometimes people think they know 
right? What, what gang life is really like. But unless you've walked in those shoes, you really don't know. So tell me a little bit about what types of things you were doing. I started off like doing graffiti in the school and then it graduated to garages and just in the community. My neighbors would see me and they would say, Siobhan, why are you, <laughs> why are you spray painting my garage? Go mm-hmm. paint it. You know, I would have to go paint it back. Yeah. I got in a lot of fights just to show my loyalty and my level of aggression. Plus, I gained a lot of respect because I was being bad, you know, in the streets. I sold drugs. I was involved in rival shootouts. Me and my sisters would rob people, and we did other illegal activities. I wouldn't think that at such a young age, I mean, no teenager should be living that kind of life. But you told me that at 16, you got pregnant with your first child. I mean, at that age, you know, you did try to get your life together, but you were struggling. You know, what types of things did you try to do? So when I was 16, I had returned home. I was in church. The Lord was leading me to a better path. And just I was learning the biblical knowledge really hit my heart and made me start to apply those teachings to my life. So I slowed down with the game banging in the streets. And I started getting more involved in the community and how I could help kind of reverse the damage that I did in the community. I had returned home to my grandmother's house and she welcomed me home like the prodigal son. I was the prodigal daughter. I became active um, in programs such as Youth Service Project. They were a great organization that helped the youth. Mm -hmm. Um, I also became a part of Hands Without Guns Chicago. I love that. Always giving back to the community. That's amazing. And so you told me that you slowly kind of fell back into the street life. And in 2004, you got into an altercation with someone and you needed to flee to Florida. And then you find out you're pregnant again. You know, what was your life like when you went to Florida? You know, even though now you were a little bit older. It was such a different environment, very calm, very quiet. And I had to learn to be calm and still and really turn up my momhood, <laughs> you know, because I thought I was, you know, a good mom. But when I came to Florida, it was so different. Like, I wasn't as active running around. I, had, mm-hmm. I didn't have places like family houses to go to with my kids. It was just me and my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a beautiful experience because I learned a lot about myself, but it was very challenging as well. I was lonely and a lot of the trauma that I had internally was like screaming loudly at me that I needed to deal with. And I didn't, I wasn't equipped to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trying to make a change, but then, you know, you said trauma, you know, why did you fall back into those old ways again? I had a lot of wounds from being raped and being physically and mentally abused for a long period of time. So psychologically, I was very damaged. And I just fell into a pattern of domestic violent relationships. And Mm -hmm. I would drink to ease the pain because that was the only thing that I knew how to do. I was tired of the pain I kept feeling. My life had become unmanageable and I didn't have the tools that I needed. And that happens to a lot of people. For some people, it's alcohol for other people. It's gambling, anybody that's dealing with any type of past trauma that hasn't been able to really get help and find healing. It's normal for people to kind of gravitate to something that we think is going to give us that temporary fix or help us to forget what we've been through. And so in 2012, 
you finally decide, hey, this is enough. I need to get help. Why now? Yeah. So at that point, I was like at the peak of my alcoholism. I was just making all the wrong decisions. I was at the point of losing my kids. It was obvious to me. And I was so tired of myself. I was just tired of everything. I needed help. I didn't know what to do. And I was ready for change. And I know that's hard. When you are used to living a certain life and now you got to make a change, it's very difficult. And so that's where you and I met. You were in the Chicago Dream Center program and we met there and they were trying to help you to kind of deal with these issues in your past. And you did finish phase one, but you told me that you weren't able to graduate, which I didn't know that until we started prepping for the interview. And you had said that your mom needed you back in Florida because at the end of the day, you were a mom and she needed your help. And then in 2015, you meet this guy who later becomes your boyfriend. And you knew that he was involved in some shady stuff, but later you found out that he was trafficking girls. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So in 2015, I had a manager, which was his mother. She was helping me um, get paid singing gigs and features and songs with other artists. She also got me a gig like in a movie. It was an independent uh, small film. And I met her son. And I got involved with him after a breakup with uh, my youngest daughter's father. It was a pretty violent breakup that we had. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was drinking also at that time. I was, again, self-medicating. I was very vulnerable and my, my mind state was not clear. I got involved with him and it was the worst three and a half years mm-hmm. of my life. I went through so much domestic violence. He was very abusive and verbally and mentally abusive with me. He broke me down. That was his goal. He was grooming me. So what drew me to him, I liked him a lot. And I I loved him. I fell in love with him during this whole craziness. I still loved him. But he did music. We had a lot of things in common. Mm -hmm. And so that's what drew me to him. But I seen him doing so many evil things to other women and Mm -hmm. and myself. It It was hard. That's scary. I mean, to know that after everything that you had been through, and there's a lot of things that that have happened in your life that, I mean, we're not even going to touch on today because it's so much and it's so traumatic. And I feel like I want to protect you and the past is in the past. Yes. Um, But I know that when you're being trafficked, they're going to use different things to try to control you. You know, what were some of the things that he did to keep you under his control? The word is called terrorize. He terrorized me to the extent of like shooting up my parents' house, threatening to traffic my daughters, mm-hmm. threatening to harm my children, my family. He would strip me naked and put a gun to my head, threatening to kill me. He used a machete one time and threatened to chop me up. He did that several times. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. I thank God I, I wasn't harmed <laughs> uh, right. severely where he killed me, I should say. He would beat me and choke me until I passed out. He tried breaking my legs several times because I would run away from him and he didn't want me to run away from him. So he tried to break my legs a couple of times. He would try to run me over in his truck when I was able to get away from him. He really broke me down and, and put fear in my heart, but it, was, it wasn't it was even fear because I wasn't afraid of him. Mm-hmm. It was I just didn't have a way out. He manipulated and, and just damaged my relationship with my family. So I was really isolated mm-hmm. from everyone and he had complete control over me. Yeah. When you don't have anybody and you feel like you don't have that support um, or when you feel your family's threatened, you know, sometimes people will say when they're in a 
domestic violence situation, they'll say, "I right, why didn't you just leave them? Like what you're saying right now, you're being trafficked. Well, why didn't you just leave? It's not that easy. And right. that's what people and, need to understand. And also, I reached out to help from police officers and I did not get help. They looked at me like it was my fault. I got treated like I was the one doing the wrong. There was time where I was in the street getting beat up. People were passing by. No one helped me. That's incredible. And you and I were talking about that. We can pretend that women and young girls and even boys are not being trafficked. But I mean, this is really happening every single day all over the world. And so, you know, you put up with this for three and a half years. And then one day you said that you had enough and you did something drastic. Tell me about that. Yeah. So it was uh, around the holidays. It was Christmas Eve. And I really was at a low point. You know, I missed my family. I felt like, what is my purpose here on earth? Um, I can't even be with my kids. I'm being trafficked. I have no purpose here. Mm-hmm. And so I ran into oncoming traffic with the hopes of being killed because right. I was just done. I was done. I was so mad at God. I was so mad at myself. And I was just done with life. I didn't like the cards that were dealt to me. So I tried to throw them back on the table and call an end to it. But the Lord fit that it wasn't my time to go. And you know, I thank God that he had mercy on me in that moment because he understood what I was going through if no one else did. And it's sad to think that your only option was for you to take your life in such a drastic way. And we know now it's because God had a purpose for you. And if somebody's listening and you know somebody that's going through this or you're going through this, God can still use you. There is hope, but you yes. have to hold down to the Father and you have to try to seek help. And so I remember asking you if this was the turning point for you. And unfortunately, you said no, because again, it's not so simple. You said it took you about six months to eventually get away from him. And in 2017, you once again reached out to the Chicago Dream Center, New Life for Women, and you made a phone call. You know, what was that phone call like? Because this was not the second time that you were reaching out to them for help. So when I called the Dream Center, Liz is the one actually I spoke to. I was so broken. I was like, look, I'm running for my life. I'm in need and I need help and I'm ready to change and I need help changing. I need a safe place to go to. She had let me know, well, we're not able to get to you until two days from now we can come and get you. Mm -hmm. And so I was hiding out at a truck stop and those were the longest two days of my life. But I was so determined Mm -hmm. to go back to the dream center, to the farm and finish what God has started in my life. And when they came and got me and I sat in that car, I literally passed out. I slept the whole four hours to uh, the farm. (laughs) I mean, you're emotionally and physically exhausted after everything that you've been through. And so you go into the program and you officially graduate Praise God. Yes. Tell me about that experience at the at the Dream Center. So when I returned, I call the farm my home. When I returned home, it was such a relief. And it was a new season, a new chapter in my life. And God was dealing with so many things, so many scars and wounds that I needed to confront and demons that I needed to confront. And the staff at the Chicago Dream Center, Marisol and Liz and all the other leaders that poured into me really loved on me so much and were so patient with me. It helped me to grow and it helped me to overcome, become the woman of God that I need, that I knew and I wanted to be, but I just 
needed the right environment to grow into that mm-hmm. woman. And I, I strive, like I, I ate it all up. I put every ounce, every energy into changing and mm-hmm. into making a change because right. I graduated the program pretty early. I graduated um, 10 months. It's a 12 month program. They started training me actually at seven months to become the house leader. So when I graduated at 10 months, they gave me the position of residential aid, which was such an honor to be able to be a part of helping other women change because I understand the impact that Chicago Dream Center has had in my life. And the women that have impacted my life have also been through what I have been through. So, you know, being able to be on the other side of the fence and say, hey, come in, there's hope for you. Right. You know, changes changes here. Amen. It starts with you and God and anything is possible with God. It don't matter how broken you are. It don't matter, you know, where you've been and what you've done. God could turn it around and use it for his glory. So it's been a great, great journey um, coming from the Chicago Dream Center. How exciting. You know, when I started this podcast, in my intro, I wanted people to know a little bit about me, but I shared that experience when I met you guys at the farm. And that experience changed something in me. Um, And I went to go teach you guys a couple of songs for your graduation because I used to do worship at my church. And I remember coming home from the farm. I spent the night. And when I came home, my God, I was so overwhelmed. I was crying. I was so honored to think that God could use little old me to go and minister to you guys. And that was the first time I actually ministered in that little church. But what was most interesting is that I felt that day you guys also ministered to me. Amen. And trusting me with your story. But you guys changed something in me and I'll never forget that. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast, because there's women out there that need love and support and encouragement and men too. But that weekend that I went there all those years ago was when God said, this is what you need to be doing. And so God can still use us. You know what I'm saying? No matter what we're going through, no matter if we think we're not worthy, we're not good enough, we don't speak well, all of that is just the lie from the enemy. We are equipped to do every good thing and every good work that God is calling us to do. And so I'm thinking of your story. And I said to myself today, this morning, like, wow, everything that she went through continued to lead her back to God and just wanting to serve other people in some way. And that's really who you are. And so I want to ask you, what was your motivation to push through all of this pain and adversity in your life? My kids, my family, God, and myself. You know, I wanted better. I always desired to do better. And I wanted an opportunity, you know, a chance, just a chance to live a better life. So that kept me motivated. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, with other women, that is something that really drives me and keeps me determined to stay on the right path because I know that other women's lives are, and men, other people's lives are depending on me being a light in this world. Absolutely. I love that. That is so, so true and powerful. You know, and then sometimes we look back at our lives, you know, and this question, every time I ask it, it, it blows me away what people respond. But if you look back, is there anything that you would have done differently on this journey? I wouldn't do anything different because it made me it made me stronger, wiser, more determined to help others. You know, I found my calling. So this path led me right where I need to be. Amen. I mean, I think about everything that you've been through 
and if people are listening, they're thinking to themselves like, no way, I wouldn't want to go through that. But you knew that there was purpose in those difficult things that you were going through. And you told me a quote that a friend of yours shared and you said, it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. Yes. And that was powerful right there when you shared that with me. And so I know that you do share your story when you go and speak about what you've been through and the fact that you are an advocate against sex trafficking. Why did you think it was important to share your story with me today? I remember being hopeless. I remember being broken. I remember being lost. And now I'm not lost. And I have a purpose and I have hope. And I understand it's not easy. And we don't ask for things to happen to us. But at the end of the day, we do have the power and authority to overcome our situations and make the best out of it. And, you know, that is my driving force to bring hope to the hopeless, to share my experience with others, to show them that we overcome our situation by the word of our testimony. We overcome Satan by the words of our testimony. So hang in there. Yes, change is not easy. Mm. The process of healing, it's a lifelong journey. This is a lifelong journey, but you're not alone. You're not alone and there's help out there for you and there's resources out there for you. So don't, don't give in, don't give up. And even if you do, God is loving. He's merciful. He will pick you up and help you out. He did it for me. He could do it for you. Amen. It's so encouraging that sometimes we as people complain about the silliest things. And I hear your story and I think to myself, how dare I even complain about any little thing? And you inspire me. I think to myself like, hey, if Siobhan overcame all of that, there is nothing that I cannot overcome that's ahead of me. I've already overcome things that are behind me and it's made me stronger, but we all have different demons. We all have our different struggles and we can't give up. We can't quit because there is someone depending on us, as you said, for them to find their healing and for them to be restored. And so you wanted to share a verse and I definitely want you to share it because it's an amazing verse. Yes. So when I graduated the farm, I was given a ring. On that ring is engraved Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of hope and a future and not to harm you. This ring is like a wedding ring from God to me, a promise ring. And he has been so faithful and true to his word. He has always been there with me. He has given me the strength to overcome so many situations. And I love the Lord because he loved me so much. Mm. I don't never take this ring off. It reminds me never to give up hope. And God was there for me and he's still there for me. And he will be there for you as well. So never give up. After the storm, the sun will shine again. Joy will come in the morning. And there's resources out there to help you. You know, one thing I always talk about on the podcast or, you know, when I do Facebook lives with people is that we should be walking in our purpose and in our calling. And God gives us so many different talents and gifts. And sometimes we don't even realize what those are when we're in the midst of the craziness. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. What are some of the things that God has gifted you with that you're using now? So while I was in the foster home, my grandmother gave me a coloring book. It was like a thousand page (laughs) coloring book. And that was literally what I did for the first week that I was in that home. I was so traumatized. I colored and I draw and then I started painting. And so my gifts are art. I'm a painter. 
I'm also a singer, songwriter. I produce my music. Those are the main talents that lead me and guide me and also is therapeutic for me. And that's so true. You know, let me tell you, if you have not seen Siobhan's art, it's mind blowing. Every time I see her post something on Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, this girl, the way she sings, her music, I mean, everything that she does, who would have thought that even though she went through so much that God had already gifted her with all of these things from a very young age and that thankfully she is using those gifts right now. And last year you said you started a business, right? Tell me about that. Yes, Sparrows Inc. represents me. It's my brand, and I sell my paintings on there, and I go and do motivational speaking, and I share my testimony. So anyone that is interested in booking me, you can go to my website, which is www.sparrowsinc.com, and that is S-P-A-R-R-O-W-S minus sign I-N-K.com. My Instagram is also on there. Or you could just type my name in Google and it'll bring up like all my information. Awesome. I encourage you to just go check it out. It's really inspiring to see everything that Siobhan is doing. Who would have thought that this young girl that I met in 2012 would go through such an amazing journey and just overcome and now be able to come onto the Courageous Podcast and share a story of victory. And so I know that we shared that you're an advocate against sex trafficking. If somebody's listening, Siobhan, could you send or direct somebody to an organization that could help them? Yes. Being that your podcast will probably go into all different corners of the state and, and yes. the world. Amen. Yes. The first <laughs> the first thing you can do is Google. If Obviously, if you're listening to this, you have access to internet. Google safe houses for sex trafficking victims or domestic violence shelters. That would be the first thing you can do. But here in Florida, they have programs like the DEMP, that's D-E-M-P Project. And that is an organization that is dedicated to rescuing and restoring women off the streets. There's also Hope is Restored. You can Google that in Jacksonville, Florida as well. And they have other shelters out here for women that are in domestic violence that you can you can call. And, you know, another place in Chicago is the Chicago Dream Center. They're a great organization. They provide all resources free for women that are coming off the streets, whether you're in addiction, domestic violence relationship, uh, sex trafficking, minor mental issues, they can point you to the right directions if they can't provide you with the services that you need. Absolutely. I have seen it for myself. I have seen the product of what has come out of the Dream Center, and it is some amazing women. It's just a blessing and an honor to see where they started and how far that they've come. It's so exciting to see God at work through that team, you know, with Liz and Marisol and and everybody. So definitely reach out to them. And so before we go, I wanted Siobhan to share one of her gifts and share her gift of singing. And so, Siobhan, I'd love if you could share a little short chorus or something special so that people can hear this amazing gift that God has given you. Okay, definitely. So this is a hook from a poem that I wrote, and it's called Have Mercy on Me. Have mercy on me, oh Lord. Have mercy on my Have mercy on me, oh 
as I learn to let it go. Amen. Woo! I love it. Such a blessing. Such a blessing. Siobhan, I am super excited and so happy and blessed that we are connected again and that you answered the call to come onto Courageous podcast today and encourage other women that are struggling and going through similar things. And I just want to continue to pray blessings upon you, upon your children, upon your family, that God will put a hedge of protection over you, that he will just continue to use you, use your gifts, and allow you to continue to live your dream to help others and point people to Jesus where they can find hope. I thank you. I love you. You will always have a place at Courageous Podcast. If you need me, if you want to use this platform, this is your home. Thank you. I want to say thank you, Miss Madeline, for having this platform for us women to share our stories. And I want to congratulate you and pray blessings over you as well on your journey of healing, you know, being a leader in the community and in our lives. You are such a beacon of light and I love you deeply and dearly. Blessings to you and your family. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.